Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast, Modern Tales of an Ancient Pursuit. And what's your biggest regret? My biggest regret, I, sure, I tried to invest money, but I'm not an investor. I'm a gambler. That's who I am. That's my personality. What are you proudest of in your life? Proud? Not much, to tell you the truth. <laughs> not much. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, in the end, is uh, like I said, you know, the pressure got to me. You know, my health went down. So I pay the price anyway. Whatever you do, you pay the price. Nothing is for free. There's no free rides here. You know, you win, you pay the price. You lose, you pay the price. Nothing is for free in this, in this world. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. My name is Randy Cantrell. I'm your host here. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. Yeah, we'll call this a special episode. The voice you were hearing was Archie Karras. Archie made an appearance about a year ago. On soft white underbelly. It's a YouTube channel. I'll put a link in the show notes. Some really interesting conversations. This is a wildly popular YouTube channel. Probably the most wildly popular YouTube channel that you've never heard of. 3.45 million subscribers as I hit the record button. Archie? Archie was and is a professional gambler. pretty interesting conversation hopefully ours is too hope all is well with you and yours as i hit the record button today is monday may the 23rd 2022. And the main reason that I played that first snippet from Archie is so that I could play this one, because this is the one I'd really like to focus on. What's the most important lesson you've learned in your life? I learned that, uh, that like I said before, you can, uh, the good things you cannot buy with money. A good friend you can buy. A friend can save your life. Or he can help you in, when you're down and out. You know, some of the good things, your health and stuff, you can't buy with money. Some of the best things you can buy with money. Money is very important, but it's not number one. Not by a long shot. You know what I mean? Yeah, we do know it. Well, do we know what you mean? 
Do we know what you mean that money is not number one? All of us intellectually understand that there are countless things that money cannot buy. Now, Alex mentioned, or Archie, rather, Alex, Alex Karras, he was a football player. I don't think that they're kin. Is Karras, is, is that Greek? I'm thinking it is. Uh, but Archie, he mentions friendship and that money, money can't buy friendship. Well, not much can buy friendship, to tell you the truth, money or or anything else. That's a topic for another day, though. Friendship. Money is not by a long shot, in Archie's estimation, the number one thing. There are so many things that leap to my mind. Friendship certainly does. Relationships absolutely do. Love positively does. But Archie's right. Money's important. You need it. But I don't know. My mind races with so many conversations that I have had, especially over the last few years. And it's probably due in large part to my getting older and talking with people who are in their 50s and 60s. And a big question that you often hear raised about money is how much is enough? Now, anybody who is approaching quote unquote retirement age, now that doesn't that, well, it does. It presupposes that retirement age means that you plan to retire. That is you plan to stop working. I have said it repeatedly and I will say it for the umpteenth time here. And you'll likely hear me say it in future episodes as well. I don't plan on quitting work period. Largely because I need to work. For financial reasons, I'm not impoverished, but come on, cash flow. But because I want to, I do not have any aspiration to go play golf, to go fish, to go do anything day after day after day after day after day. I don't golf or fish, by the way. So that would be quite abnormal for me to engage in two activities that I've never engaged in in my life. So why would I want to do that now? Uh, purpose and it, it, it sounds, well, it sounds haughty is what it sounds like. Contribution. I mean, it sounds like, well, the, the opposite of that is you're not contributing. No. There are a lot of people who are doing a lot of good things and there's no money involved. There's quite a lot that many of us do and there's no money involved. However, we better be involved in some things that do require money so that we can do those things that don't require money because, well, you got to make a living or you're going to be a burden on somebody. If you don't pay your own way, then that means somebody has to pay it for you. Well, who wants that? So I'm not being fixated on old age any more so than I probably have been for a decade or more. And the podcast certainly isn't taking a direction uh, to that, even though recent episodes have had to deal with that. It's just because the podcast is an outgrowth of conversations, and it always has been. It's an outgrowth of conversations, of phrases and words and quotes and 
phraseology. It's words. It's words. And these words spark thoughts. Or the thoughts spark the words. I don't know. Chicken and egg. So many conversations with people, I would say, in their mid-30s and up, probably precipitated much less by my age and more precipitated, in my opinion, by the current state of things. Gasoline, even here in Texas, where it's infinitely cheaper than it is, say, on the West Coast, in California, still you're staring down the barrel of five bucks a gallon, more than double what it was a year ago. Real estate. I, I was looking, <laughs> you can't trust these things fully, but I was, I was looking at realtor.com and some other things. And some, some of the estimations, I mean, the house where I live is estimated to have gone up $33,000 in the last 30 days. <laughs> you kidding me? I mean, this level of insanity, this level of supply chain problems, this level of inflation, this level of incredible demand. I mean, the line is forming to the left and the right and the center for people to buy anything and everything full well knowing we are paying the highest price that the world has ever known for these things. <laughs> doesn't matter. We still want it. We still want it. I was reading an article just this morning about a couple who live out. And I'm, when I say out, I mean they live out in a, a, a rather remote suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth, and it's where they want to be. They have made... Offer after offer after offer over asking price for over a dozen homes. And they've, they've been doing this since November of last year. It's late May <laughs> and they still haven't, they still have not won. They lose every time they've made what they thought were ridiculous offers and they still lose to somebody who's making a more ridiculous offer. So these are these unprecedented times, I think, are mostly why these conversations are being had. I am probably putting my own spin on these conversations because I'm looking at it with an eye toward my future, and my future is one that includes and involves Medicare. <laughs> right? I mean, that's just this is what happens when you get older. It's just, it's not that, it's not that your perspective is completely different because I'm, I'm only thinking in terms that I was thinking a dozen years ago, I was thinking of them in the future tense. And now I'm having to think of them more in the present tense. So yeah, that context is very, very, very different, but the uncertainty of it all, the uncertainty of it all and the uncertainty of, well, as the scripture says, the uncertainty of riches and boy, do men place value on their riches. Doesn't matter what source of news you choose to consume, but between Elon Musk and Twitter 
Berkshire Hathaway and their annual stockholder meeting over and over and over and over and over again, we're, we're seeing this inordinate growth of the rich getting richer. And by the way, that's always been the case. It will always be the case because they have more resources. In addition, they've got more access and not just to resources, but they have more access to opportunities. Cash is king and all that. And so it's no surprise that their growth is being magnified. Okay, sure. A lot of this is on paper. Doesn't matter. It translates into real liquid opportunities. And so we read this and we, we see this and we begin to think, well, we, we've, we've missed out. The number of people who are in Elon Musk or Warren Buffett or Charlie Munger's universe versus those of us who are not, it's rarefied air. It has always been rarefied air. It will always be rarefied air. They are them. We are us. And there's way more of us than them. And so it goes. I'm not too twisted up about it. In fact, I'm not twisted up at all about any of that. Because best I can tell, their success, their wealth, their prowess, their accomplishment has got nothing to do with me. I in no way impact their success or their failure. Okay, sure. I'm not a customer of Geico owned by Berkshire Hathaway, but I could be. My wife is a customer of Coca-Cola. I'm not. So in some really itty-bitty microscopic way, I guess she's contributing to Berkshire Hathaway's success in that regard because she's a customer. I don't drive a Tesla, so I'm, I'm not helping Elon out any with that. Skynet, Skylink, whatever his satellite internet thing is i'm i'm not i'm not involved in that so i'm not helping there i am contributing to jeff bezos i mean aren't we all well that, there's and there's the rub there's why there's why jeffrey is so successful because we're all contributing to amazon but you here's my point their wealth is not hurting me my lack of wealth is not hurting or helping them. I guess we could all wax philosophical and we could, we could have some highbrow conversation about, well, you might could, I don't know that I could, I just don't have the brain power. I don't have the capacity or the interest for it, but money, money, resources, opportunity, or lack thereof. So the couple in Texas that is more than a dozen offers in and still have not been able to buy a home. I don't know what, I don't know what the end of their story is going to be. Are they ever going to be able to, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know their level of risk. I don't know how crazy and wild they want to get with offering some what many of us would think is an insane amount of money for a house that can't possibly be worth that much money. 
And we clearly know any of us who've lived any length of time at all, we clearly understand the collective psychology that goes on. I learned this as a young person working in retail stores. It was very evident to me within year one as a 15, 16 year old that when people went up to the cash counter, when people began to grab boxes and take them to buy them, other customers inside the store noticed. I also became painfully aware even well before that, that the cars parked outside made a difference. I mean, Legion are the stories of people who have parked cars in front of their store when the store was empty of customers to give an appearance that there were customers inside the store. And there's plenty of evidence. I've seen it firsthand that doing that works. Those of us who traveled and took any kind of a family trip back in the day, long before airfare was kind of the preferred way to go. I mean, rich people flew the rest of us. We drove, we all got in the family truckster and took trips and drove all day and complained and whined and didn't have stereo to listen to. You had AM radio. And if you were lucky, you had air conditioning. Well, you stop and you're going to eat somewhere. Guess where you're going to stop and eat. You've been, you're on this road. You're not familiar with this road. You don't have cell phones. You don't have GPS. You don't have online reviews. You don't have Yelp. You don't have Google reviews. And you're looking for a place you either stopped at a truck stop because you knew they were probably going to be decent. Okay. They might be dingy, but you knew the food was probably going to be okay. Or you looked for a place where there were a bunch of cars. And if there were no cars, you figured there's a reason there's no cars. We're not going to pull in and be the first. So there is something to this collective psychology. It. It's real. It is not imagined. And so when there's 15 other people putting a bid on a house, you're thinking, well, they're, they think it's worth it. Can the collective be insane? Yeah. Well, I think we're finding out. I think we're finding out the answer is yes. Virginia, the entire collective can be completely out of their absolute mind. And very well may be, but money is not the most important thing. Well, it seems like we've, we didn't get the memo. We did not get the memo that money is the most important thing. You've got people, the number of people buying new cars is amazing to me. Now, listen, we need new cars when we need new cars. I understand that, but as I drive the roads, which I rarely do because, well, gas is five bucks a gallon. The number of paper temporary plates that you see on the back of cars amazes me. And yet you can't get them supposedly. And if you do get them, you have to wait for them. Okay. Oh, and when you get them, you're going to pay sticker. Well, if you're lucky in many, many, many cases, the dealer is going to tack on additional money because they can. So if they can get a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand dollars over 
MSRP, why not? It's a money grab. And people are like, that's fine. I'll pay it. I'll pay it. The interesting thing is the number of realtors that I have asked, are you, are you seeing people with buyer's remorse instantly? And I'm talking instantly. And I have asked, I've asked a handful of real estate people, this question instantly. They say, oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's kind of funny. I don't know why, but I keep, I keep thinking about those dogs that chase cars. Have you got one of those in your neighborhood? I've lived in neighborhoods. Yeah. You know, it's just like. Give me a break. Somebody strangle this thing. And I love dogs, but just. Okay. The dog catches the car. Now, what are you going to do? Well, you don't, I, I don't, I, I wasn't planning on the car stopping. I, I just enjoyed chasing the car. And sometimes it's like these people are, they're chasing the house and ch- Okay. Well, you got the house. Oh, well now I'm, I'm not real happy. You know what? I mean, look at this house. There's no way this house is worth what we paid for this. I get asked quite frequently, especially by people that are probably 15, 20 years younger than me. What, what do I think? It's not because I'm smart is because I'm old and I'm like, I have no clue. You kidding me? These are unprecedented times. I've seen cycles. I've seen cycles enough to be convinced that they, that they exist because I've seen them. I've experienced them. I believe this too is a cycle. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know how long it will last. I don't know what it will look like coming out of it. Are we hitting new plateaus and they're going to stay there? And maybe, maybe they level out for a while or or is the house where I currently reside? Is it going to escalate in value $30,000 a month from now on? No, it's not. At some point, it's going to stop. Will it fall? I don't, it probably. Will it plateau? Most assuredly. Who knows? Who knows? The strange thing to me is that if money isn't the number one thing, I agree with Archie. It's not. Intellectually, you likely agree as well. However, We are operating as though it is. We are operating as though, and yet simultaneously, we are operating as though it doesn't matter. It's like it's play money. I heard a real estate, I heard a real estate person say not long ago, they'd gotten a new listing and somebody makes a phone call from out of state about this property and what's it going to take to get it? And I said, well, I don't know. I mean, the asking price is X. And the person on the other end of the phone, well, offer why, why was 200 and we're not talking a million dollar home. We're talking an, un, a, a, a home priced under a million dollars. In fact, we're talking about a home priced under $600,000. And the person on the phone said, offer 800. 200, it was $200,000 plus over asking price. And the question following that verbal offer was, do you think that'll get it? <laughs> the realtor replied, yeah, I think that, I think that may do it. It did. Oh no, they had not seen it. They'd only seen a few photographs of it. Sight unseen. 
offered 200 plus thousand dollars over asking. I, I've never seen that. I've never seen that. I keep telling my son who's he'll be 42 this summer. His grandfather, my dad, Lord willing in September will be 98. And I said, listen, your grandfather hasn't seen anything like this. <laughs> that tells you that I have certainly not seen anything like this. So money's not the most important thing. In fact, it's so unimportant. We're just going to throw money at the problem. We're just, we'll just overpay for everything. And yet money is the most important thing because you're going to offer $200,000 over asking the next guy's only offering 150 over asking guess who wins congratulations mr 200k over i get it i am not i am not raining on the parade i am a capitalist to the core i believe in capitalism i like capitalism if not love it but it doesn't mean that it's perfect i think it's better than any alternative that i know but the opportunities, the opportunities that are afforded by cash, the opportunities that are afforded by money cannot be questioned. It just is how the world works. You can love it. You can hate it. You can curse it. You can do whatever you want with it. It just is what it is. You know, worldly people will say, well, the golden, those of us that are faith-based say the you know, the golden rule is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But the worldly secular folks say, no, the, the golden rule is the person with the gold makes the rules. It is the way the world works. I'm not, I'm not throwing rocks at it because you and I both know when it, when it isn't working to our advantage. Yeah, we hate it. I mean, when we don't have the gold, when we don't have the cash, it's not good. It's not real fun. We could talk about priorities we could talk about planning. We could talk about budgeting. We could talk about investing. We could talk about expenses. We could talk about expense control. We could talk about all kinds of things that have to do with money, but it's bigger than that. And it's deeper than that. And I think for me, it's about expectation. It's about desire. If I had to put a theme on this all for me today, this conversation, the one that you and I are having, it's about expectation and desire. If our desire and expectation, Archie has lived the life of a gambler. In many cases, huge, huge money at stake. And in that interview, soft white underbelly, the YouTube channel. You can go to YouTube and Google soft white underbelly and you'll find it. I'll put a link in the show notes to it. It's, it's a, it's an absolutely worthwhile subscription free. Uh, you just, you should subscribe and you should watch it. Now I will warn you that many of the stories are incredibly depressing. He interviews a ton of people who live on the streets and are homeless and so, but, but the show is very well done. Uh, he does not insert himself much at all. He just hits record and he gets the conversation going and then he just blends into the background and lets them go. And it's really interesting. Many, many, many of the videos are compelling. It's really good late night watching for me. 
But Archie talks about the juice of the risk that the winning, the losing was, it, it was just the, the game of it all. It was just the game of now I'm not a gambler, so I can't possibly understand or relate. I have to engage my imagination to kind of think like that. I, I, it would just, it is just not in me to do it. I'm not naturally wired that way. In addition, I've got convictions that I will freely admit to you. My convictions oppose gambling. So it's just not anything I would entertain or practice. And so the mere thought of it is kind of, I don't know. It just gives me, it just gives me a queasiness, but I do understand people chasing things. I do understand. I do understand expectation. I do understand the desire. I do understand the expectation of sitting at some kind of a gaming table and expecting to win and really, really wanting to win and the thrill of chasing that pursuing that I, I, who, who among us can't understand that, which is why I've narrowed this down to those two phrases, at least for me, expectation and desire. So in a real estate market, you've got people who they're expecting to pay way more than they've ever paid for anything before, but they have a desire to have that thing. So strong is that desire. They don't care. I mean, in many cases, $200,000 over asking for a $600,000, a give or take $600,000 piece of property. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, you can, and we're looking at this and we're thinking, well, this doesn't, this makes no sense at all. It makes no sense at all. And yet there seem to be legions of people out there that it, it makes complete sense to them. I, I, I don't know. Come on. The name of the podcast is leaning toward wisdom. And there is the rub modern tales of an ancient pursuit in leaning toward wisdom. What, what, what are we doing? And what are we learning from what we're doing? I don't know. I don't know. I know that if you're in a house that is appreciating, like my house apparently is, well, you're given a whole lot of thought to cashing out problem where are you going to go well it's fine if you're going to leave town if you're going to leave town and go somewhere else then you can find somewhere else where it's not so crazy newsflash it's pretty crazy everywhere now it may not all be as crazy as it is here but it's pretty crazy everywhere okay well if you're selling when it's crazy then you can afford to buy when it's crazy so there's little doubt that there's a whole lot of that going on well okay i don't know how much maybe maybe a whole lot is an overstatement maybe there's not a whole lot maybe there's just some of that i don't know here's where my age factors in when you're in unprecedented times like that and you are in a position where you do have a resource that is escalating in apparent value that quickly come on it's like well i mean should we should we act on this? I mean, should we, should we do something with this 30 days, $33,000. This is on paper. You realize how many years you had to be in a property to get your equity position to improve by 30 grand. 
and today you can do nothing. Heard a story just last week. Family buys a house, not a huge house, not a super expensive house. Well, expensive, you know, it's all relative, right? Buy a house, 100 days ago, just sold the house, $50,000 over asking. Been in the house 100 days and made out like bandits. No, didn't didn't plan on it, didn't intend on it, but they did. It's like, you know, well, good for them. I mean, good for them. I was reminiscing with somebody and I said, I, Ron and I made a little bit of money. I'm, I'm talking hundreds, maybe a thousand bucks on our very first house. And after that, we were a number of houses in before we ever made a dime on a house. We went through a period of time where we felt blessed and fortunate that we didn't have to take our checkbook to a closing table and write a check to the buyer. Cause many people did. And then we made an itty bitty amount of money over 20 years ago on a house. And those are the only two houses we've ever made money on. And it's not because I'm an idiot. Well, okay. I am, but that's not the reason timing market timing is the reason I always found myself needing to sell in one market and needing to buy in another market. And I joked for years, I still joke that my whole plan, my whole, my real estate investing strategy has been to buy high and sell low, not intentionally, but that's just how it's worked. The interesting thing is, is I look at people that are six to 10 years older than me. It's been just the opposite for them. And when you look at it, timing, timing. You ever been on a, on a road and you're trying to hit the green lights? There's a ton of green lights and there's just this stretch of road and you figure, man, I just, if I can just time this right and lo and behold, you get caught, you get caught at one red light. And the next thing you know, you're catching every stink, stinking red light on the stretch. Yeah. We've all experienced this. And then other people, they can, they can they make some turn onto that same boulevard and because of just sheer luck and timing, they hit every green light and you're sitting here trying to, and you can't. And by dumb luck, they did. Yes, it happens. And there have been times where we have been surprised by our own dumb luck. We have turned onto the boulevard and we've just hit it right easy to forget the times where we hit it right gets really frustrating to because we know we've hit it wrong we're like well man alive we're going to hit every red light between here and there and shut your mouth we do we hit every red light and if there's a train track oh well all bets are off there will be a train and it will be long and it will be slow and the minute you see a train come by and there's like five engines attached you're like oh well hello bill we might as well just roll the windows down and kill the engine because we're going to be here a while it's just how life works there is this randomness that affects us all expectation and desire what do you expect what do you expect what do you want i talk a lot about the ideal outcome and that ideal outcome being subject to change 
mine has changed. Mine continues to change. And it's changing because of the nature of the world that we're living in. There are some things that I might would pursue. I might would be interested in pursuing, but not now. Not now. I mean, there's just something in me that's like, I can't imagine we're driving by a neighborhood and I'm thinking, you know, two years ago, three years ago, these houses, there wouldn't have been, there would not have, you, you would not have been able to find a house in this, another perfectly nice little cookie cutter houses, little, small, inexpensively built little houses. You couldn't have found one that would have garnered $200,000. You won't find one now for under three. There's just something in, there's just something in me. That's like, I so wouldn't do that, but I'm where I'm at. I'm not in a situation, but what if I needed to, what if I had to? And I think now you're finding out why the great resignation is happening. You're finding that people are like, I'm not going to go do that. I was talking with somebody the other day and they, they lost a, an employee who just didn't want to come into work. It's not that they didn't want to work. They just didn't want to come into an office to work. And they had another job offer and the other job offer was more lucrative than the present job that did require them to come into a physical place, except now they could work remotely game over game over. You're not going to compete with that. Not in today's world. They can stay at home and they can work and they make more money. Well, you know what this means? Not only do they get a pay raise, so there's this gross income positive, but now they can live wherever they want to. So if they did choose, I'm not saying they will choose because I don't know this person, but they could choose to live in some place that's more cost effective. Well, I would, they may not, but I would. So now you double dip. Now you're making more money and you're saving more money because, well, if I don't have to live in the city where expenses are higher, I'll find some place a little bit more remote. I've only got one caveat. I need good internet and good internet is pretty pervasive these days. So there's that. I don't know what you desire. What do you, what do you most, what do you most desire is the current circumstance? Is it, is it in the way for me? It's in the way in the, in the sense of it's making it really difficult to figure this out. And I've never been one who's been prone to try to figure out timing we kind of need what we need when we need it. We kind of want what we want when we want it. I'm not talking about being impulsive, but I'm talking about being somewhat strategic in our timing. There have been times where work was work and things fell into a certain time frame. And if we get in our car and we need to be at the other end of the boulevard, that's got 18,000 stoplights on it. And we're trying our best to time these lights so that we hit them when they're green. We're headed to a, to a place and we need to be there by a certain time. The appointment is the appointment. 
right? I mean, it is what it is. But it's different if we're just out and we're headed someplace and it doesn't matter. If we get there in the next 30 minutes, that's fine. If we get there in 15, that's even better. But we really don't care. Most of us, there is some time element. Time is important. And it may not be our impulsiveness and it may not be our impatience. But it is our expectation. It is our desire. And it very well may be even a third term that's worth pondering. It may be our need. We may need to be there by a certain time. People have doctor's appointments, for instance. Okay, well, don't be late for your doctor appointment because you probably aren't going to get in. You can be early, and the doctor can keep you all day long. I mean, the doctor can be late, but you can't. Yeah, I know. That's a whole other show. This is our life. This is our life, trying to juggle all this stuff, trying to figure all this stuff out, and now you take all the all the mishmash of the, the current chaos and the current uncertainty. And it's like, well, we, I, I don't know what to do with this. What, what do you do with this? I mean, a big part of me would like to just cash out and just leave town. <laughs> it's complicated though, because including the two of us, there's 10 people in the tribe and we're all here. Okay, well, so much for the leaving town notion. Be great if we could. Oh, listen, if if the tribe was not here, there's no question what we would be doing. No question at all. I would be I would have been out of here a year ago. I I might have sold too soon, but I'd have been out of here. I'd have been out of here. I'd have been out of here over a year ago. And I still may be. But okay, now we're back to friends and well no for me we're not back to friends we're to family we're back to love we're back to things that matter more than money time matters more than money but it really is love that matters more it's the people in our life that we care about it's the people that we don't want to leave not while we've got time together archie was right Money's not the most important thing, not by a long shot. I don't know, man. I don't know where it's headed. I don't know what's going to happen. Somebody says, well, how do you think this thing's going to end? Like end, not even looking at an end. I think we're looking at a big cycle here. I don't know where the cycle's going to take a turn. Highly probable that it will take a turn though. Will it be a turn to your advantage? Will it be a turn to your disadvantage? Are you going to hit the green lights? Or are you going to hit all the red lights? Well, you know, I guess I would hope, I would hope that we'll hit more green lights than red lights, but this much is sure we're going to hit some red lights and there's going to be a train. So I guess here's hoping that the trains are all short 
and the yellows last a long, long time. And we hit more green than red. And beyond that, I'm just not sure. Leaning Toward Wisdom. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. Studio.